Blog Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Melinda Hamilton, author of Financial Empowerment Strategies for Christian Women and Youth. Now is the time for financial freedom. Now is the time to create a financial game plan so that you, Christian women and youth, can be a blessing to the kingdom. The Bible says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth. In other words, it's God's will that you are blessed, prosperous, and live in good health. You must create a path to wealth. It is not what you make that counts, but it's what you keep. Wealth is not the same as income. Building wealth takes discipline sacrifice, and hard work. You must be willing to make the sacrifice in order to achieve financial independence and to build wealth. Goal setting, where do you want to be financially? Establish short-term goals and long-term goals. Two short-term goals are appropriate and three long-term goals are appropriate. Monitor your goals. Work toward achieving your goals. Once you have mastered your goals, celebrate your success on your financial freedom. Take control of your money by tracking your spending. The important question here is, are you controlling your money or is money controlling you? Start today by tracking what you spend and how you spend it. Financial advisors recommend five types of insurance. Health insurance, homeowner's insurance, life insurance, automobile insurance, and renter's insurance. How do you figure your net worth formula? You multiply your age times your pre-tax household income from all sources except any inheritance. Divide by 10. In other words, your age times pre-tax annual income divided by 10 equals your net worth. This is what your net worth should be. Given your age and your income, how does your net worth compare? If your net worth is equivalent or higher, accumulator of wealth. If your net worth is lower. It's time to get your financial house in order. In closing, remember the basic saving steps are start saving early, stick with your plan, invest as much as you can as often as you can, read as much as you can about investments, and invest consistently. I am Dr. Melinda Hamilton, and this is your financial strategy to empower you to become a stronger Christian woman. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ravinda, from MZN Indie Radio, and that was our guest today, Dr. Melinda Hamilton, who is going to be here to discuss a lot of different things with us, including financial strategies. And I'd like to give you a, a brief overview of her background, which is going to really help you understand why she's here to help us. And uh, she's going to also go into, you know, whatever uh, – kind of tips that she can give us or any kind of help she can give us because you you and I both know that we need this help. Um, just before uh, we got involved in blog talk radio, you know, a lot of people were going through a lot of economical struggle, and uh, I myself was looking for a lot of different alternatives because of the way, you know, things are in our, our world and our financial situation, and it's, it's 
great people like Dr. Hamilton that we look to to give us advice on what we should do and how to handle, you know, these types of uh, setbacks and how to continue on to grow for ourselves and to increase our net worth. Now, uh, she is the president and CEO of Hamilton and Harris Educational Consulting Group. She's also uh, president and CEO of Hamilton and Harris Academic Learning Center, Hamilton and Harris Investment Corporation, Hamilton and Harris Foundation of or other accomplishments. She's written a book called Empowering Christian Women and Youth to Financial Literacy. Uh, she was also elected to attend Harvard University Summer Leadership Institute in 2003. She served as federal grant reviewer for the Federal Department of Education and the Federal Department of Health and Human Services Department. And she's written and received the following grants. Federal Department of Education for the State of South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, North Carolina, and Virginia, where her company services approximately 800 students and has 125 employees between the six states, which is great. She wrote and received a Title I grant for $78,000, another one a community grant for $15,000, and one for the 21st Century grant for $250. She is a proud mother of Shedrick D. Harris and a grandmother of Janae and Jasmine. Oh, that's so sweet. She is also a proud member of Changing and Generation Church um, under the leadership of Bishop Paul S. Morton and Dr. Deborah Morton. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you Dr. Hamilton. Welcome, Dr. Hamilton, to our show. Thank you very, very much. It's just an honor to be here with you. Um, thank you for having me today. Absolutely. Um, we are uh, pleasured to have you here because you and I both know there are so many women out there who are in need of this type of help. And we have always depend on government services or our husbands or boyfriends or whoever and just not really got the, the idea of how to do it. So I'm glad you're here to help us with that. Can you just go backwards a little bit with us and tell us how you got started in getting involved in financial strategies? Well, yes, I'll be happy to share that with you. Um, I actually began conducting weekly sessions many years ago for the youth at my church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, which is Mount Bethel Baptist Church under Dr. C.E. Glover. And I began to teach the youth financial strategies on how to design portfolios, how to read Wall Street Journal, how to select stock that they might be interested in, how to start a savings and a checkings account. And that just grew very popular. The sessions grew popular. The parents would come and they would talk to me and they'd thank me and ask me would I share that same information with the mothers because they needed to know also. And it just continued to grow. Additionally, I worked with the Women's Conference for eight years in Fort Lauderdale, and I met women from various states, various church organizations. And as a leader, the women shared with me their concerns. I was able to hear the need for change. So I discovered that there were so many issues and concerns for basic life necessities, such as women were not aware of the importance of having a will. They didn't have a clue how to get started. They didn't have life insurance. Many women worked for corporations and companies that had options for investment plans, but they didn't have that. So I just started sharing with them, and it's endeared to my heart. It became clear that it was a need, and I just went to Christ, and he just led me. Uh, I wanted to make it clear that there was a need to talk to Christian women and youth on how to be a blessing to God's kingdom by creating a path financially to success. And that's how I started. Wow. That's how I got started. <laughs> Wow, that is incredible. And, of course, God will lead you in the right direction. And I'm happy that he was, you know, having that conversation with you and your spirit to get you in the right place so that you'll be able to be there for us. Now, why is this so important to you about, you know, women out there knowing about their financial options? Well, it's very, very important to me because um, I have a, a passion, a strong passion for the financial futures of my entire community. Now, I'm aware 
of the need for a new level of financial institution and dynamics. And as an educator and as an entrepreneur, I am committed, very committed, to providing youth and women and families with early opportunities and knowledge that will benefit them and future generations. You know, our community must be exposed to the vast resources available for them. Sometimes it's rarely, they're rarely used. So equipping our youth and our women to be investment intelligent and illiterate creates a generation of proficient and empowered adults. And these adults will be capable of succeeding in a rapidly changing society. So that's why it's important to me. I just feel that it's my mission, it's my ministry to uh, empower Christian women and youth with the knowledge that God has given me. Great. Now, can you tell me the, the age um, range that you, um, you counsel for the youth? We start with, um, we start on an elementary level, a simple level, but the, the intense group is to start with middle school on up through college. And that's, that's the focus because they're more mature, but I do believe that you are capable of training children uh, when they become intelligent enough to understand what savings is about. So we work with students from elementary on through college level, teaching them principles that will help them become empowered financially. That sounds wonderful. Now, can you share any experiences with any particular students that um, benefited from your counsel? Uh, yes, I can. I uh, actually mentored a group um, during my, my life in Florida, um, starting with at, at my church. Um, they were middle school students, and uh, we would meet weekly uh, for about six months. We met every week. And I started with the basic principles, uh, going over, you know, basic savings principles. And I had various banking reps to come in from week to week. And from that, they established a savings account, check-ins account. They would get their parents, instead of buying gifts, the parents start giving them monetary donations, which they put into their savings account. And the older students began looking for jobs. They would get jobs, they would save their paychecks, and many of them actually started um, an investment. They bought stock in McDonald's. Uh, they bought stock in Claire's and other companies that they frequently bought items from. So I do know that if you take a group, mentor that group, monitor that group, instill the importance in strategies for savings, you get a great accomplishment. And I have seen you know, very successful young people from the sessions that I've worked with and taught them. Well, and I really like the idea of investing in McDonald's and Claire's and probably a lot of other stores that are found in the malls where you also find teenagers. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, they they buy into it when you show them what they like and and how they can gain from items that they spend money on. Absolutely, because there are so many kids that, that go to McDonald's. It's pretty much the number one restaurant amongst, you know, people on low budgets, of course, because not everybody can afford a cheesesteak all the time. But, you know, McDonald's is, is wealthy from us, us going there for our kids and our families, you know. So why, why not have our kids invest in it and get something back? I think that is a really wonderful idea. Well, thank you very much. It, it definitely works. It works. Well, um, is that program um, just in those particular locations where you are, you're at, or um, is that something that can be shared, like, say, in my area of Philadelphia or New Jersey or Delaware? Uh, absolutely. Actually, I, I what I do, I am available. I have a, a literature that I provide for anyone that's interested because we do have sessions that we – um, conduct that will address the top, the population if they want the youth, if they want women. We have a telemade program um, that we specialize in certain topics that will help. So if there's an area that seeks my input or want me to come out and work with a group, it's just a matter of getting contact with me, and we will telemade the seminars or the programs 
for the audience in which they want us to. Well, that's also a wonderful idea. And what I I would love to see happen is if, um, you know, from the organizations and groups that we have out here, you know, if I'm able to let them know about you and just tell them the benefit of having you come out, um, that we could make that happen and and you would be able to share what you know to all of our our young women here and and probably our young men too because they're definitely in need of uh, learning how to manage their money. we do have a lot of churches over here that, like our bigger churches, that try to give those type of um, lessons to people, but I think they would benefit more from someone with experience like yourself in the, in the background. So um, I have one in mind, um, our Bethany Baptist Church, which is located in South Jersey. Uh, I will get in touch with the pastor and let him know about you. I'll send him an email with your information and see if we can make arrangements to get a seminar started. They they actually televise a lot of their church activities, so you know they may ask you to do a webinar. They may just have you come out in person. Well, that would be wonderful because I feel it's my mission, my ministry. So I'm led. If I'm called, I would certainly be more than happy to be there. And not you know I have the brochures and everything that they could read over. They can see what kind of sessions, what kind of techniques we provide for them. I think they'll be really pleased with the outcome. That's wonderful. Now, can I ask if you can give some information or some advice for people who have been pretty much strucken with this, um, actually I should say stricken, um, with this situation we've been dealing with with the, um, uh, you know, with the financial setback that we've had recently with the increase in unemployment and loss of jobs and loss of homes and people just trying to redirect their lives and lifestyles and into new careers and things like that. And for those who still have a little bit of money left, is there some type of advice that you can give them on how to, you know, make that, um, you know, multiply so that they can take care of themselves? Well, one of the things I have to be very, very caution, uh, caution myself about is um, um, I wouldn't, what I would recommend if they still have their money, some money left, is to seek out a financial advisor, one that they can trust, one that will sit down with them, speak to them where they understand where to direct their money, how to direct it, how to monitor it. And I said I have to be cautious because, you know, there are so many entities out there that uh, abuse um, our finance and they have ulterior motives, and it's important that anyone who uh, still has um, money or investments seek out a banking institution, a secure, a trustworthy financial advisor and planner, because there are some real quality ones that, of course, I can't recommend anyone over the airway, but certainly um, that would be my first recommendation. And for those who are struggling like many of us struggle and many people struggle, you know, I have to go back to from whence I came, and that's my spiritual foundation. And I have to say that they must continue to put their faith in God, and they cannot be a victim of the recession. We, we, we don't buy into the recession. And I know that a lot of people have lost their jobs, but you might have to redirect your, your skills. You might have to go back to school. Um, you might have to take a lesser job. For the moment, but the bottom line is there is hope and there is certainly a way out of it. And every situation is different, but we must not give in to the recession. We must know that God is the author and the finisher of everything that we do. And I do believe that we're going to see this whole thing turn around. We will see it turn around, but seek out a good financial planner a good banking institute, and, again, I'm going to repeat, um, redirect your skills. If, if it's a different vocation, take a different vocation. Uh, jobs are becoming more plentiful now, and so you just have to continue to look and hold on to your faith. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Um, I know a lot of people who, you know, pretty much worked at a different, a particular place for over, say, 20 years, maybe since they were teenagers, like their first job, and they lost that job, and they never, 
you know, got any other skills to help them in doing anything else. So now they're in a, in a sort of like a new phase of their life where they have to retrain for mm-hmm. something else. And, and it's, it's pretty difficult because if you've been in a factory, and I used to work in a factory, if you've been in that factory for, you know, years and years and, and you work 10 to 12 hours a day, seven days a week, you pretty much don't have a lot of time to go out there and learn anything else. So, you know, they pretty much, if they didn't take advantage of technology while it was growing during those years, it's kind of hard to get into it now unless you talk with your kids. And, uh, you know, this, that's one thing that to me is amazing that despite whatever's going on, lots of people are finding something alternative to do and using technology as a way to do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I I would tell people to take advantage of any kind of training you can get on computers and the internet and you know anything of of a a type of topic that is growing like right now. Exactly, so. and, and and you know one of the things that we know many of us like you said if someone worked in a factory for twenty years. I think our problem is and was we didn't diversify our skills. We stayed in our comfort zone, and. Mm-hmm. Whenever turmoil comes, then we don't know what else to do because this is all I know. But you have to make yourself marketable. And making yourself marketable means diversifying your skills and your talents and tapping into the unknown. Many times we don't do that. And that's why a lot of us right now are caught up because we only know how to teach. We only know how to work at this store. We only know how to be a carpenter. You must diversify. Just like you diversify your portfolio, you have to diversify your skills as well. Absolutely. I know um, as a single parent, um, you know, just trying to manage to take care of my children, if one job for some reason let us go because I've had a couple of them where the entire company shut down, I've always tried to make sure I kept myself educated in lots of different areas. So I've had jobs in the construction field and sales and marketing, food service, child care, the city, the state, um, federal governments. I mean, I've been I've worked on so many different things so that I I will be able to accomplish getting a job in something else should the job I'm working at now cease. And just like what recently happened with me, I worked in the financial institution and, you know, it didn't work out because of the recession and, and them, you know, needing buyout money and then reducing our income to 50% less than what we were getting paid. It was just hard to manage any type of a, a lifestyle with that little bit of money. So I, I chose to go into a different direction. So I'd like mm-hmm. for you to give people some advice on, you know, how to, the steps to take on going into another area and how to get started as far as financially regrowing your, you know, your portfolio. Okay. Um, to start off again, basically, to, to start over, it, it, you must, first of all, you have to review what and where you are, the present. Look at the present, where you are, and you're going to take a step back and see, well, what went wrong. I believe in evaluating and reevaluating, and that's the first thing I would say. You need to evaluate your financial situation, um, reevaluate, and see if you spending too much, if you didn't track your money, if you... Uh, we're careless with your money. You have to look at your spending patterns. And as far as developing a portfolio, you are going to have to educate yourself. You've got to educate yourself, first of all, on different areas of investments. And there, there's so many. We can't go over them now. But you do have to educate yourself on the various facets of investments. And every season, there are investments that are good. There are investments that are not good. So it's very important. Look at where we are now and where the profitable um, stocks and where the profitable investments are right now. And one of the things you have to know is always sacrifice and put something away. 
you know, like we pay our tithes, you must pay 10%. You have to do that. That's what the Bible says. And everything we're saying must be grounded spiritually because once you have that pattern set with tithing, then you won't have a problem taking another 10% to invest into a portfolio. But you have to take it gradually if you are if you are new and never have done this before, you have to take it gradually. Um, we have to keep in mind that people right now are reluctant to invest. They're scared of because of the market. So it has to be well thought out, well advised by a financial planner um, before you take that step. Because the the worst thing in the world is to have someone who's never invested or never developed a portfolio to lose um, the little that they have because people at this point, many people have little now because of, you know, the the impact of the economy. So I would say take it slowly, reevaluate, um, align yourself with someone that you know can educate you on the portfolio and see what's making gains right now and then decide if you are going to invest and how you're going to invest. And that would be my recommendation. That's some great advice, and I hope that everyone is listening carefully because it's something that you really need to apply to your, your everyday living right now because we don't know for sure that this is going to end anytime soon. For a lot of people, it hasn't. For some people, it never even started. And those were mostly the people who were really smart and paid attention to what was going on. I think the biggest problem was nobody was paying attention to the things that were happening. And sometimes you just take things for granted. And then once, you know, this this big bomb happens, it's like we're running around scared. We don't know what to do. Now, in the case of people who will have small businesses, you know, what kind of advice would you want to give someone who's trying to hold on to their business based on this recession? Well, I believe that you have to be um, very cautious as a small business owner in your output. And when I say output, your capital output, what you're spending, um, you will have to cut back a lot of your supplies um, and you would you operate moderately because depending on the kind of business that you're in, I know that most entrepreneurs and small business owners are seeing a, a, it's a slow period. The finances are not coming in like they did four years ago or three years ago. Um, I, you might have to cut back your the hourly staff that you have, your operating hours, those areas you need to look at carefully, look at where you're spending your money, how you're spending it, and determine what you can cut back on. Because, you know, small businesses are the backbone of our nation. But unfortunately, the capital to help operate these small businesses are not as plentiful as it once was. So you have to take a introspective look, their wise, along with your accountant, your CPA, and find out those areas that you can cut back in. And, you know, I speak uh, personally because I have, like, four businesses, and one in particular deals with the regular school system and the school year. And during the summer, we just take an abbreviated calendar. I have my staff, their hours are shorter, um, and we have just shorter operating hours because it is saving my business capital. I don't have to put out so much. So that would be my own personal recommendation. Um, every business is going to vary differently, but I think with all businesses, you certainly can um, evaluate and see what you can cut back on. And then there, there, there are monies out there. If you know anything about grants, you can research grants. You can write the grants, or you can solicit my services, and I can help you research a grant and write a grant because there are monies out there, despite what, you know, some um, – Economists might say there are monies out there um, that you can apply for. And one thing you have to also, I have to say, you must establish a good working relationship with your bank. Um, all small businesses should have a bank that they have a relationship with. They can actually go in, and once you have all your documents, because you have to be a good keeper of records, and that's very critical. When we walk into a bank, they're going to want to have certain documents. 
So if you have all those things, I, I believe that, you know, you'll succeed um, in this turn of the economy. Now, since we were, you were talking about grants, um, I get a lot of emails um, about all these grants that are available, and most of the time I, I could tell it's just somebody trying to get money because all they did was go into the Federal Register and collect all that information and put it on a piece of paper, and then they sell it to you for like $30. Um, I would like for you to give people an idea of, you know, the best way to go about you know, looking for the type of grant that you would need to have for your business, or if you can pretty much uh, cater your business to that type of availability of money. Like, let's say you run some type of sales business, but you don't know exactly what to sell. Would you advise them to, you know, look at the register, see what type of product they give grants for, and and then use that to, to format what it is that you would need? Exactly. I, I would say that explicitly. As, as you said, you have to, my advice, and I'm asked this so often, my advice is to, you, you know, the word research is very important. It's, a, it's paramount. You have to research. You have to, first of all, see what's out there. Your business may not be what a particular grant calls for, but you should be able to tailor make your project or your business to suit a particular grant. You can also use keywords if you are, um, say, a carpenter or run a carpentry business. There could be something out there for you, but you're going to have to just take the time and go through the grant, small business grants. Um, you can go to different foundations who, who provide grants for different purposes. If it's a non-for-profit organization, there are a lot of grants out there, and I can just tell you specifically because I, I do my research from my own non-for-profit, but for those small businesses, you might have to solicit the help of a, a grant writer if you don't have the expertise. And you and I know most people don't have the expertise. They don't have the right. time for it. But if it's important to them, they're going to have to put out X amount of dollars to solicit some service from someone who can do that and let them be the vehicle to getting them um, in the door of getting a grant for their business. Well, that sounds good because I've seen a lot of little advertisements for grant writers and, um, you know, offering services. And uh, I actually just thought I'd take up a, a course myself. It was, there's a nonprofit organization for grant writers that um, – provides the training, and last time I checked, it was under $800 for the full training. And um, I think after that training, you're eligible to start writing those grants because then they give you all the knowledge and tools that you need. Um, does that sound about right? Yeah, it, it does. You know, I it, I sat uh, for many years on um, as a grant writer for the Federal Department of Ed and also for the Federal Department of Human and Health Services. And I, it was just a blessing for me because I was able to see, first of all, the grants that people were writing that they they um, submitted. And I was a reader of those grants, and I learned what those grants require, and I learned what the state, the federal department, what they're looking for. It's such a tremendous uh, advantage is what I would say that, that I, I gained. But I do know that the key is, you need to just be vigilant and looking um, at the categories. If you find one, um, I say go for it. I say get someone to help you um, because nothing beats a fail but a try. Absolutely. <laughs> I used to say that all the time, and it's just embedded in my spirit because it's true. Now, um, do you have family members that come to you for advice a lot? I have more friends and people that I know and sorority sisters and people that I know, community members that come to me more than my family. I have a small family. My son is my right hand and left hand, so he's with me. He asks different things all the time. He's learning of the business. He's the Harris part of the business. Um, but I have a lot of uh, inquiries, not so much from family members, uh, but uh, every day uh, my teachers and educators um, are constantly 
coming to me, and I counted a blessing. I counted a blessing that they see something in me that they feel can benefit them. Well, that's great because I know a lot of my family come to me as far as, you know, like teaching them how to work on the computers and things like that because it was pretty it was pretty easy for me since, you know, I'm always jumping into things and learning a lot of different things. And it was easy for me to get into it. And now everybody else, they think they can escape the training part and just come to me and just no. go right to the gusto. <laughs> so we have to make sure we don't become enablers because that's what happens. We have to let them step out and learn on their own. I know. That is so true. Yeah, let me ask you, um, what are your goals and your objectives of of providing this type of service to people? What do you look forward to doing? Well, my uh the the most important goal for me is really to get the Christian women and youth I want them to see the importance of equipping themselves to be financially stable in order to be a blessing to God's kingdom. That's very important. See, I believe we cannot assist the kingdom building if we don't if we're strapped down financially. We we can't assist the kingdom being financially strapped. My second goal is to teach women and youth the importance of becoming informed investors and investment intelligent as well as financial literate. Um, because simply put, what I want to do is to provide Christian women and youth with strategies on how to manage their finances and how to get them to realize that if you want God's blessing in your life, you must make some changes that will help establish financial security in their lives. And I just simply want to point out to them the importance of being a good steward and paying your tithes because on the back side of obedience are blessings. So that is real, those are my, my ultimate goals with, this, uh, with the project and with the book, with the sessions that I uh, conduct. Okay, well, let's go into your book because I really like to discuss that. First off, uh, what was it that made you want to write a book about uh, educating people on this? It's just been such a passion of mine uh, for so many years. And as I stated earlier when we first spoke, um, I just got such uh, an enormous need from women about the information that I shared. And I didn't go in initially all well-learned. I was at that point very, very, very new, but I educated myself on different financial entities and topics and strategies, and I was able to, to give them food that would feed them and make them become better. And, and I spoke so often different places, and I was encouraged by my pastor in Florida, Dr. Glover. He said, this is really good. You need to do something with this, Melinda. You need to take this a step further. And he would always tell me that. And I decided to send my uh, part of my book, the financial piece, to uh, the Library of Congress, and they end up many, many months later copywriting it for me. And that just gave me another boost. I was excited, and I decided, I said, okay, I'm going to do something with this. I have to put this in a book. So it's a desire that I have within me to get this message out because, you know, Christian women are, should be every woman. And and that's an untapped population that we really need to focus on because you got to remember we're the women, we're the people sitting in church every Sunday. We're the women that's really into the spirit, but we're hurting. And my goal is to tap into that hurt and help them to um, kind of ease the pain a little bit financially. That, I think that will work definitely. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank now, you. Now, um, are you are you? Do you have your book available for the public, or are you just um, just getting started with it? I am. Um, it's not available yet. It will probably be available in the next thirty to sixty days. It's all in the process with the publishers, and um, we are. What we're doing is taking, uh, you know, like orders, pre-orders, and so on. But we. It's already, the manuscript is complete. It's just now in the publisher's hand, and it will be, you know, ready for distribution um, within the next few months. Well, that's great. Now, do you plan on going to any book signings when the book is ready? Yes, I do. I plan to really um, 
be extremely visible. I want to do the book signings. I'm hoping that I will be uh, on the circuit at different uh, conferences and churches, and I've um, already been uh, asked by TBN. They are interested in what I'm doing. Uh, whenever it's complete, they are ready for me. They will also be getting a video clip um, that uh, Mr. Chandler put together for me, Does a, did such an excellent job. So those are some steps that we're taking right now, but it was a great honor to be asked by TBN or to be told that they're interested in what I'm doing. Well, I'm looking forward to that because uh, we do need something of value to to actually see and and see the outcome of people who have you know are coming out of this recession in a positive way and teaching others and people who, you know, have been able to avoid dealing with the the downfall in that recession. I think it's very important to be out there and share that with others because a lot of people feel very alone and they feel like they have no one to turn to and, and nobody to guide them so that this doesn't happen again. And just, to, you know, for historic sake, it's not something that has never happened before. It's happened several centuries before, and a lot of people don't realize that. But the thing we have to understand is that we have to be able to categorize things in our life a little better. We have to stop wasting, and we have to be able to to have strategic plans on what to do in situations like this before it should happen to us. Because a lot of people I did talk to didn't even experience it at all because they planned ahead and right. they did research. They educated themselves on the way things are going financially with our world and our government. And they were able to, you know, put money aside and not depend on the government and banks um, for their, their, you know, their money and their savings. So, um, I'm glad we have people like yourself to teach people different methods so that they can learn more from themselves and be able to protect themselves. Because I know we're going to have this happen again in another century. But the key to what you said is, is, is so paramount. We just need to have a larger percentage of our women in our population to be like those people that you and I know who did save, who did not become impacted by the recession, because they they were intelligent. They were smart, investment savvy, and they sheltered their money. They were not impacted. See, that's what we want. We want to um, empower people to be um, like a hands-off recession. You can go. I'm not going to be touched by you. I, I know how to save my money. I know how to invest. I know how to where to put my money, what money market to put my money in. So if we can get a larger population of our people to be smart, and that's the goal. That goes back to the question you asked me. That's one of my goals, to continue to teach, to train, and help people to learn the important strategies that's going to keep them afloat when everybody else might be going down. You know, and I'm going to have a one-day conference, a financial empowerment conference, probably in the next four to six months. I'm working on it now trying to work out the logistics, but I certainly have planned to invite you down as well. But I hope that we can impact many people, and I might do it in different cities. But it's going to be a one-day financial empowerment conference specifically for women and youth. And oh, I hope sounds great. I would love to be a part of that, definitely. Absolutely. Well, you are going to be, if you uh, will be available, I'll be, in, you know, keeping you abreast of everything uh, because we need to promote it, and we want people to know about it, and we want the sisters to register for it, and we will provide the resources, we'll provide the experts, and uh, they'll leave with a tangible product that will help them on their path to uh, financial success. Well, that sounds very wonderful, and I, I most definitely will help you with promoting that. And I'd like to have some input to share a lot of things that are alternative um, lifestyles and alternative um, career styles that people can look into that they never thought about that could help them in, in making money. I'll, I'll give you a story about something that I did that got me involved you know, into what I do now. Um, uh, some years ago, when I was, uh, I'm still a single mother, and that's even though most of my kids have grown, but, you know, I I've had to take care of them by myself. I've had 
some help from other family members, but it's generally been on me. And that there was a time when I was unemployed for, um, I think it was more than the normal six-month period of time because I, I worked for a government agency and they usually lay you off and you stay laid off for about six months. But uh, I, wasn't, I wanted to find something that was more, you know, uh, permanent because I didn't want to keep getting laid off every six months or every other six months. So I, I just did some research and tried to find some things um, that I'd be able to do. I wanted to just first I asked myself, what do I like to do? What am I capable of doing? And this is something I'd advise other women to do. And I love to do things with craft. I love to work on the computer. Um, I'm really good at writing things. So what I did was first I started making um, some craft items, um, homemade skincare items, which I now sell and make some money from, from my company, Heavens in Bath and Body. I also um, got into making uh, African dolls out of mopeds and fabric. And the first doll made cost me $5 to put together, and I sold it for 30 So I'm, oh. I made those, and then wow. I got into writing. I'm a poet and a songwriter, and I write screenplays and things like that. So now I use my ability to write to add web content into people's websites. So when you build a website, you don't have time to put all this stuff in there. So I do that for you, or I will write blogs for you. And if you're an artist, I will create websites for you and add your content and manage it for you, things like that. So that's another way to make some money. And in addition to that, I love to talk. And I love to meet people and network. So I started my own networking company, which I basically just connect one person who has a business and the tools and resources and a person who's looking for somebody that needs those particular things to get their business started. So I'm like a, I don't know, like a, a wire connector. <laughs> well, you know what? Connect those people together. You have diversified your skills. See, that's the prime example. We spoke about about 15, 20 minutes ago. You are diversified, and you do you're multifaceted. You do many things, and I applaud you for that. I, I really compliment you for that. Thank you so much. I met so many people who are. Who, they asked me, "How you can you do that?" Because I have. I'm telling you, if you look at my computer right now, you see I got about ten windows open. I could be having this. Like I found this Block Talk Radio. It's free. You can set it up on your internet connection. You, you just know how to, you know, talk to people and be professional. You can be successful. I've been on for over a year. I've had over fifteen thousand downloads of my um, shows that I have on. I I promote music artists and and people like yourself that provide service and resources and education to people. So you have to diversify the type of um, guests that you have on so that you can get a, a larger group of an audience. So people ask me, how can you do all those things at the same time? It's necessarily, it's not at the same time. A lot of times it's just, you know, one day you're doing something because you're not, you don't have much to do on this other thing and then so forth and so on. So you just have to learn how to organize your time so that, you have this to do and make sure everything kind of, you know, piggybacks off of each other because I can't be a, a, a heart surgeon and then do a talk show, you know, it's not going to work. So you have to put things in the same retrospect so that they all, you know, um, complement each other so you don't feel like you're a spider and that you're all like working all those eight arms to do something different. That's a good point. That's an excellent point. I, I can't, I'm listening to you and just looking at myself because, I mean, that's just, you, you almost have to uh, be multifaceted and it, it, because it kind of creates that energy that we need to be happy people. That is so true. Now, you did have um, an experience at Harvard University, and I'd like you to share that with us. Yes, I, I really, um, I must say to you that um, that experience was one of the greatest experiences and accomplishments that um, I've been a part of. I, I was uh, one of 50 participants that were selected out of 400 applicants, 450 applicants. Um, and I attended Harvard University for a full summer. Um, at that, this particular time, I was able to really tap into my passion for economic development and business ownership. Um, I was taught by some of the greatest and most well-learned leaders, such as Dr. Carnell West, Dr. Carolyn Showell, wow. 
Kevin Johnson, who's now the mayor of Oakland, Dr. Charles Adams, uh, Mark Whitlock, and so many more um, instructors were a part of my, my institution. And uh, as a participant, we were able to uh, learn greatly about economic development, um, financial aspects of home ownership. It was just a well-rounded experience. And uh, I was charged with an act, creating an action plan um, that emphasized economic development. And uh, what I did was create my action plan on the topics that we're speaking of now, my minority youth, financial literacy, and business. That's what my project was because that was my passion. And it was designed to teach African Americans and other at-risk minority youth the importance, as we stated so often, of becoming financially literate. And it provided them with strategies that equipped them to just be strong. But if I summarize that experience, I would say to you that the Harvard experience provided me with concrete tools that I needed to produce a project that would make a lasting impact on our youth and our women. Now, this project was very, very, very uh, well accepted, and it received remarkable support. It was embraced by GMAC, various banking institutions, and many churches throughout various states. But what it did ultimately was encourage me to continue with my mission for women and youth. Um, I wrote this plan. It was great. And I submitted it to different entities. And um, actually, I was able to um, facilitate a week-long activity for about 100 young people. This was like three or four months later. For about 100 young people, I had facilitators. We had a college fair. It was just a whole program that helped young people and taught them different skills, the same things that I do in my workshops. But it was wonderful, and when I say a lifetime impact, to be able to go to Harvard University and participate and be a part of some of the most brilliant minds, um, it really just did a lot for me. And uh, I just want to – I always have a passion for that because it's endeared to my heart um, to have that experience. Wow. I would have loved to have been there and share that with you. That's such a prestigious thing to have happen to you in your lifetime. And I always try to uh, tell a lot of young people, you know, you miss so much by limiting yourself to, you know, certain things in life. And then when you're older and you get up to my age and you start wondering, what, you know, all the things you could have done all these years and all the people you could have met, you know, and all the, the, you know, the successes you could have had because you didn't really focus on doing something more positive and you just took time for granted. And that's a big problem. A lot of people take time for granted, even though it's never too late to be educated. It's never too late to, you know, get into something like it took me years to figure out what it was that I wanted to actually do for the rest of my life. And, of course, it's something that I don't have to answer to anyone as far as, like, having a boss you know, or or I can control my own schedule, and I enjoy that freedom, and, and I just hope that our youth can learn from you and, and myself and other people how they have so many other alternative achievements that they can accomplish and be, you know, similar to what we're doing, if not better. Exactly, exactly, because, you know, we, we, are, we are obligated to leave a legacy for our young people and to educate our young people because you and I know many times the parents are so busy making a living and dealing just with, with life <clears throat> adversities that they may not have the time. But I, I've always said <clears throat> it's my responsibility to, to, to impact young people um, in any way that I can. And every opportunity I get to share with them about the Harvard experience is it's, it's just pivotal in my life, and I try to – I have a lot of artifacts from there and different um, things that, that I share with them because that's a, an accomplishment, and it's nothing that they can't do, that a young person can't do if that's what they put their mind to. You can accomplish wow. whatever goal it is that you have set forth, and um, I think we're commissioned – you and I are commissioned – to continue with that message to our young people. That is so true, and um, I'm right there with you. 
and we continue to try to do that. And I hope that I can invite you to be a part of um, a new project that I have. It's for an organization I'm starting called Women Who Dare to Dream. And it's basically a program that's designed to provide resources and tools for women who want to, you know, accomplish more than a standard way of life and want to, you know, look into and research alternative lifestyles and careers, as I was speaking of before, so that they can, you know, um, set in stone the security of their families and their children and, you know, and teach others. And they don't have to, to you know, just sit by and be a, a part of the system yeah. where yeah. they just want you to work in the hospital pushing patients around or going to people's homes and take care of them or whatever. I mean, these are jobs that are available, but they're starting to be, like, you know, left in the surplus because there's so many people just being dropped into that. And and it doesn't pay that well, and it doesn't really lead you anywhere else. You want to get a job where you can be led to some higher ordinances, you know, where you make more money and do mm-hmm. more things. You don't want to just sit there and make a minimum wage or the same $20,000 every year. That's just ridiculous because you'll never make it. It'll take you'll you until you drop dead to make a million dollars. So, you know, that that's the, the reason why I started the organization. I hope that I can invite you to join it. Uh, for those listeners out there, the web address is www.wdtd.webs.com. So it's for the initials of Women Who Dare to Dream. .webs.com, and it's a free membership for anyone who's interested. I will provide resources. I will provide promotion of women who are doing things. For instance, your book, Dr. Hamilton, I'll be happy to put that on there and promote it for you. And um, any seminars that you do, I will definitely have that resource up there, some videos on there as well. And you can certainly be a, a pivotal part of the organization to help women and to, you know, to show them what other options they have. So I'll be happy to have you as part of it. I will be grateful and honored to assist and to be a part of that. I love the purpose, and you know you uh, that's my passion, so I would be honored to be a part of it. Wonderful, and I'll be sure to send you the information for that. Now, if you could tell us um, how will the young people be impacted by the principles that are outlined in your book? Well, uh, first of all, our, our youth will learn the spiritual importance of practicing wise and sound financial strategies. That's the genesis of everything that I've spoken of and everything that I've written. It's knowing the, import, the spiritual importance. Um, and once they know that, then they're on the right path. Um, secondly, equipping our youth to be investment intelligent and financially literate will create a generation of proficient and empowered adults. And that's what we want to do. That is the goal, is to create a generation of young people who are proficient. They're capable of succeeding in this society. You and I have seen the changes, the drastic changes. And when they get our age, if we start now teaching, training, and showing and equipping them, they'll be strong. They'll be like the example that you told me that you know people who did not falter through all of this economic uh, downsizing. So what I want to do is create and train and teach the young people because I believe that knowledge creates a path for choices, choices about home ownership, career, business ownership, and family stability and also that a financially literate youth, as you and I know, is an empowered youth. So that's my goal of making sure that our young people will be impacted by the principles outlined in our book. That's great. And those are some wonderful goals. And I'm sure that you'll be able to accomplish all that because these children need uh, the guidance of people who are um, looking out for their best you know, um, behave on um, their behalf and making sure that their lives are going in the right direction. I, I mean, I see, I know there's a lot of kids out there getting involved in the drug dealing thing and all that. And then I see how the drug dealers, because I'm in Philadelphia, so I know, I know a little bit about how they do their business. 
it makes no sense that they are able to do all the things that they do and not be able to make positive money. Those same principles can be used in a legal business. Yes. So uh, I just want to send a word out to all those people. In the future, we're going to have some, some webinar sessions and some talk sessions to teach you more about how you can succeed legally and positively because we do not want to see anybody else end up in jail. So I also want to thank my um, guest, Dr. Melinda Hamilton, for bringing her work to us and her uh, education and, and all her help in getting us in the right direction financially. And Dr. Hamilton, please come again on my show so that we can discuss more because there's so much more I want to talk to you about. I look forward to uh, being with you again. This has been an opportunity of a lifetime, a great experience, and you are doing a wonderful job with our community, our society, providing what you are providing for us, and, and you are assisting us to, to be stronger and exposing us. And I thank you for having me on your show today. Absolutely, Dr. Hamilton. Um, I will send out some information to you and some links. That way you'll be able to just go ahead and check out the website. And then uh, um, I actually want to – I'm going to give you my phone number so we can actually talk over the phone because there's some other things that I want to bring to your attention as well that are very similar to what you're doing right now. And I think that you'd be definitely interested in working with that because it will also help you to promote your book as well as your services, and these people definitely need it. So I'm going to um, give you that information out to you tonight, and um, once again, I thank you for coming, and I thank my audience for being a part of another great show, and follow me over to the Four Aces Show on Blog Talk Radio, where we'll be talking to Gloria Hendry, the first black Bond woman, and uh, two actresses from an upcoming indie film called um, Stepsisters, and uh, I look forward to having you guys come over there, and thank you so much, and have a great evening. Good evening, yourself.